Welcome to City Speak with Max Masudafarkas. Necessity may be the mother of invention, but sometimes laziness works just as well. Laziness, after all, is what brought us such revolutionary technologies as the remote control, lamps that turn on and off by clapping, arguably even cruise control in our cars. Among these technologies, food delivery services represent the pinnacle of innovations that have been born out of laziness, catering to that most basic human desire not to have to get up from the couch to order a burrito. But recently, some companies are pushing to take food delivery even further, with ambitions that go far beyond a driver showing up at your door with a box of pizza. Viggy Ganapathy is the head of government relations at Serve Robotics, a company that is building small, four-wheeled robots that scoot along city sidewalks to deliver food from local restaurants right to people's homes. Depending on where you live, you may have even encountered one of these robots in the wild, as Serve is now deployed in several cities across the U.S. Viggy joins me to discuss the future of delivery robots and their implications for cities and the pedestrians that inhabit them. Stay tuned. Viggy Ganapathy, welcome to City Speak. Thanks for having me. So Viggy, you were formerly head of government relations with Postmates, as I understand, before assuming your current role as head of policy at Serve Robotics. Let's start with your bio. How did you get here? Yeah, absolutely. So I started my career working generally in public policy issues across the board. I'm a little bit of a policy generalist and with a specific focus toward emerging tech issues. So I had spent some time working in the California state capitol. I had worked for the current vice president when she was running for attorney general many years ago. And after working for Postmates, I briefly worked for the Match Group, who own and operate a suite of dating apps, including Tinder and Hinge. And then earlier this year, was lucky enough to be asked to come back to the Serve team to help lead our public policy efforts as we look to open into new markets. So now as we begin to talk more about Serve, I think it seems natural to start by identifying the problem that the company has set out to solve. And a convenient way to introduce this subject, I think, is to have you explain the question that greets you when you visit Serve's website, which, as I understand, has become something of a catchphrase. And that is, why move a two-pound burrito in a two-ton car? Can you tell us what this means to you? Yeah, it's a good question. This has been a statement that's been brought up ever since Serve was housed within Postmates back in 2017 and 2018. And I think over the last decade plus, we've seen this real proliferation of on-demand retail across the country and around the world. You know, you can think about your example of an Amazon warehouse that's then delivering goods to you within a matter of hours. You can think about grocery delivery. You can think about people that may be looking to have health and wellness products delivered to their homes when they're in moments of need. And one of the major challenges that we found is that up to 50% of our urban deliveries on the Postmates platform were less than a mile, meaning you'd have a person who'd have to go look for parking at the at the merchant's location, potentially circle the blocks a couple of times, eventually pick up whatever item that is, 
drive maybe four, five, six blocks, look for parking again, contact the customer, make sure that the actual order gets to them before that delivery is ultimately completed. And what we realized is we're using more energy trying to move the car than we are to move that burrito. At the end of the day, you know, I think we have a real opportunity here to build form factors that really suit what people are ordering on these platforms. My sense from what we've talked about before is that server robotics is just part of a whole push, a whole ecosystem toward this kind of more form-fitted delivery. Do you see this industry as growing in the past however many years since delivery became fairly scaled? Absolutely. But it's not necessarily growing in a way where everyone is moving toward the same target. I mean, you when we look at the delivery ecosystem, there are different form factors for different types of goods to be delivered, right? You can very easily think about college campuses where you may see a Kiwi robot that's moving. You can think about Neuro, who tends to operate more on sort of roadways and and bike lanes and those other public rights of way. You can think about AVs that are operating in some of our cities across the country. And each one of those is really suited to a specific type of movement, whether you're moving people, whether you're moving large items, if there's someone who's looking to have bulk delivery for an office party, for example, there's a form factor that's going to suit that. And ultimately, for each one of those form factors, there's also a geographic layout in each of our cities, right? We've got roadways, we've got bike lanes, we've got sidewalks, we've got public squares. Right now, during COVID, we have slow streets programs in many cities across the country. And all of those give us an opportunity to think about what is the most efficient, safe way to move an item across your city? And what's the form factor that suits that? So I think for us, for many of our peers, for folks in both the innovation and planning communities, there's been a lot of energy that's being spent to try and develop some answers to these questions. The main factor of the Serve Robotics story, of course, is Serve itself, which is, I think, the name you gave to your delivery robot And I understand that after many years of designing, Serve has recently reached a big milestone. Can you tell us about Serve, your robot, and in particular, explain to us what this recent milestone is? So instead of burying the lead here, I'll just mention that over the last year, we were able to complete the first full level four commercially autonomous delivery in one of our markets. And it's really sort of signified a milestone in terms of how we're able to ensure that goods move safely and efficiently. And I'll get to that over the course of our conversation. But for a little bit of background into how we looked at designing Serve, when we first started operating out of San Francisco in the Postmates offices, we were looking at very sort of simple design. I think if you ask someone to design a robot to move an item, you're usually thinking about what does the cargo space look like? How fast does it move and how big is it? You're not necessarily thinking about these sort of broader questions from a design standpoint in terms of how people interact with the robot or how you're able to communicate intent or directionality. And we found out very quickly that we need to be designing for other people here. We're designing for people who use our sidewalks day in and day out. And they are one of our most important constituents. It isn't just the people who are ordering food or the merchants that are on our platform, but we need to make this experience as comforting and joyous for as many people as possible. So if you're walking down the street with a stroller and you have a baby in the stroller and you see a serve robot that's moving by you, people have told us over and over again that our form factor is one that really makes them feel at home, that it's speaking to them and and that it's kind. 
And I think that makes it a major priority for us. So from a design standpoint, we really focused on how we can communicate effectively, how we can make sure that we're creating a codex or a language that people can understand in terms of, is the vehicle turning left? Is it turning right? Is it coming to a stop? How do you communicate that through sound, light? And we have a small screen that's on the device that actually communicates words as well so that we can have serve actually smile for people if they're taking a photo of it. And now you mentioned at the beginning of your answer that you've achieved, I think you called it level four autonomy. It's a concept we've explored in a previous episode about autonomous roads. But now I'd like to have you explain in the context of sidewalk delivery, what does it exactly mean for Serve to have achieved this level four autonomy at its basic definitional level? Sure. For the folks who might not have listened to the previous episode, the levels of autonomy are really related to how much human interaction is taking place and how much of the decision-making is being made by the device, the robot, the AV, whatever it might be itself. As you increase in your levels of automation up to level five, each level signifies that there is less human intervention that's taking place, meaning that the robot's able to make decisions based upon the built environment, based upon human behavior in real time and respond to it. So we're able to use the most advanced technology to be able to make this happen. And I'd mentioned that there are a number of form factors that exist. I'm sure in the previous conversation, you were looking specifically at roadways and potentially bike lanes. And when we look at our roadways, there are very clear ways of communicating to drivers, to vehicles, and ultimately to computers what is happening on the roadway. There is signage that's generally posted. There are lanes, there are barriers, there are speed limit signs, there are signifiers that indicate whether a lane is going to be coming to a close. When we look at our sidewalks, we don't have any of that. You can't tell when you're approaching an intersection whether a sidewalk is going to narrow or whether it's going to widen. You don't necessarily know what the intent is of a person who's walking a dog. If the dog decides it wants to come to a stop, if it wants to go smell some flowers, you don't necessarily know that in advance. So when we're trying to build autonomy in this space... Kudos to all the folks that are looking at our roadways and the shared language there. But for us, we're really thinking first and foremost about people and about how people behave in our built environment and ensuring that when we think about autonomy in the space, that it's one that's really at the forefront of the drive toward building autonomous devices. The focus that you've stressed over and over again on designing for people and for pedestrians who are on your sidewalks suggests that service thinking very intentionally about the notion of sidewalk safety and the extent to which serves robots will help to facilitate a sidewalk environment that's safe. For people who might be nervous about seeing four-wheeled robots coming towards them on the sidewalk, what do you say about the relationship between having an autonomous robot and keep maintaining a sense of safety on sidewalks? It's a great question, and it's totally understandable why people would have those concerns. There are really two primary ways in which we can ensure that delivery robots are going to be safe on our sidewalks. The first is through redundancies, and the second is through automation. And the reason for this is for vehicles that are not fully autonomous, ones that may be at level two or level three, there's generally either a person on board, as might be the case with some of the AVs that you tend to see out there, or when Tesla is using autopilot, for example, there's an individual who's driving the vehicle. When we think about delivery devices, and when you see a delivery device that's moving and there isn't a person on board, 
if it's not autonomous, there's someone who is remotely piloting it or using teleoperation to drive the device. And in those instances, you're reliant upon a whole network of 5G connectivity, of having clear vision in terms of where you're moving in order to be able to respond to things that are happening. There's natural lag time that comes with that. And it's never going to be as precise as being able to make those decisions on board the device in real time. So when we're able to go out and do a level four autonomous delivery, a serve robot is responding in real time to the stimuli that are in front of it. It's able to make decisions that are truly responsive to what's on the ground based upon the most cutting-edge sensors that we've included on it. Turning briefly now to the industry most related to yours that you've mentioned time and again here, self-driving cars. We've seen over the years a significant amount of discussion around the proper regulatory scheme that should govern self-driving cars. California, for example, imposes strict permitting requirements on self-driving car companies before they're allowed to bring their products to market. Unlike the self-driving car industry, however, we have heard, I think, comparatively little about what regulatory hurdles exist, if any, for autonomous delivery robot companies. Are there any such hurdles? If so, what do they entail? And if not, what do you see as the appropriate regulatory regime for companies like Serve, again, if any? For sure. So in the self-driving car space, when we think about what self-driving car companies are doing. They're taking a car that was being driven by an individual and replacing it with a car that's occupying potentially the same footprint that's now operating on its own. And in the sidewalk delivery space, we are delivering that burrito in a small, very endearing character that you're able to interact with as opposed to a car. And the reason I bring that up is... There is already a very well-developed regulatory framework for how cars operate in our roadways. So as departments of motor vehicles or departments of transportation have been looking at the challenges of AVs, it's understandable why they have huge concerns. There are people on board the devices. They're moving very quickly. And we need to be able to ensure passenger safety. For our devices, we're operating in a very different landscape. Generally speaking, sidewalks are governed by local governments and municipalities. And in this atmosphere, we're not moving anywhere near the speeds that commercial automobiles are operating at. And so what that means is there are a number of different ways in which you can imagine vehicles operating. I think over time, we've been able to make significant learning based upon the geography of the locations we operate in, based upon whether there are hills in the area, the width of the sidewalks. And what that means from a regulatory standpoint is that we need flexibility to be able to make this a reality. We're not the only operator that's operating in this space. And the way to get there is through a collaborative discussion, both with cities and with other operators around what that framework looks like. We want to make sure that we are able to maintain a competitive playing field, that we're all striving to create the safest devices that you can conceive of using our public rights of way. And additionally, that regulators and city planners are able to actually plan a built environment that is responsive to the vehicles that are using it, which is a very different conversation than the one you generally see around self-driving cars. So to that end, we invite both municipalities and cities, as well as other operators to work together on this as much as possible, because these are challenges that aren't just unique to us. 
when we go on a sidewalk and we notice that there may be a tree root that's uprooting a sidewalk or that a curb cut is not ADA compliant, it doesn't just affect a serve robot. It also impacts people who may have ambulatory challenges, folks who are using wheelchairs or walkers will encounter those same problems. And this gives us an opportunity to try and build real conversations around what that environment looks like and to be able to develop the safest public rights of way that we'd like to see. I actually think, and this is purely in real time, there is possibly actually a really fruitful collaboration that I can imagine between sidewalk delivery robot companies such as Serve Robotics and local governments and municipalities in collecting data on how well or efficiently local governments are delivering basic services such as sidewalk maintenance that you just suggested and reporting back to local governments on where areas in the city can be improved. Is that something in computer vision, for example, how you're collecting your data? Is that something that's baked into potentially the future that Serve Robotics envisions? You know, I don't want to be too prescriptive in terms of how we get there, but I will give some props to folks at the Open Mobility Foundation and other organizations that are looking at developing this standards framework. There are numerous cities that have been on the forefront of this. And I think for any regulator that's listening to this podcast or urban planner, I think what we'd like to see as operators is consistency. It makes it much easier for us if we're not having to rebuild the way in which we're communicating with your municipality over and over again. And you know what that does is it can create barriers to entry for newer companies. But in addition to that, our focus should be having the safest device on the road as possible. And we want to make sure that we're focused on not necessarily on the patchwork of requirements on how we're operating here. So I definitely think to the extent that folks can work with each other to figure this system out, that would behoove all of us. In closing, I just want to ask a question that's future-oriented now. Let's say we were to look into a crystal ball and we could see into a future in which delivery robots are fully at the scale that you envision. I'm imagining little clusters of robots instead of standalone isolated ones walking alongside pedestrians. What if we were to look into that crystal ball, do cities look like to you at that point? And what specific impact will these robots have on those cities? It's a great question. Right now, there is significant time and energy that's lost in terms of people having to facilitate deliveries, either from the cars, being unable to access businesses that may be within their local communities that they'd like to purchase from that don't have the ability to deliver on demand. And there's significant opportunity here to give that time back to people so that we can all live healthier, fuller lives. For every serve robot that you see out there that's doing a delivery, there are car trips that are being reduced. There is less smog in the air. There's less congestion. And it's one of the reasons that we've set a goal for ourselves that we'd like to be able to reduce car traffic by 5% in five years. That's 100,000 cars off the road in the markets that we operate. And I think for us, that will increase the quality of life, not just for people that are ordering from us or delivering using our platform, but that folks who are using our public rights of way, people who are riding bikes on our roads, people who are driving, people who may want to spend the day at the park and not have the sky impeded by smog, will all have heightened qualities of life by the fact that we're able to use more sustainable forms of transportation to move these goods. The Ganapathy, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be here. This has been City Speak with Max Masuda Farkas. 
produced in partnership with Urbanized Media with audio production and music by Greg Gordon-Smith. Stay tuned for our next episode. <laughs>